0: Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Tom Guinan, and I want to welcome you to the November 22nd episode of the bull bear banter. Today, I'm joined by Cheyenne Denham, and she will be giving us a recap of the markets this week cheyenne
1: friday afternoon december corn closed up a quarter cent at 368 and three quarters that was down two and a half cents for the week december 2020 corn closed down one and a half cents at 392 and a half and that was down about three cents for the week looking at soybeans january futures closed down four at 8.97 today and that was down over 21 cents for the week. November 2020 soybean futures closed down two and three-quarters cent today at 9.42 and a half, and that was down almost 11 cents for the week.
0: Well, Cheyenne, I think the big story this week is the bipartisan and nearly unanimous approval of a bill in both houses regarding human rights in China. This bill, called the Hong Kong Human Rights Act of 2019, originally passed the House unanimously and was sent on to the Senate. The Senate added some amendments and passed it unanimously, so then it was sent back to the House, where it passed with a 417 to 1 margin. The President now has 10 days to sign the bill. Given everything else that's going on in Washington, it's impressive to see a bill, or any bill, pass both houses with that kind of support. In essence, this bill is intended to keep Hong Kong autonomous with regard to U.S. trade relations. It would mandate that the U.S. certify this annually, and it would also set up the potential for sanctions on people responsible for human rights abuse in Hong Kong. regards to our discussions here, the big question I have is what does this mean for the ongoing trade dispute? China is making it very well known that they are not happy with this bill, so will they rush to an agreement now before the president signs this bill, or will this forestall negotiations further? I guess time will tell. So let's move on to the bull bear factors.
1: Tom, on the bull side for corn, I would say harvest progress in the U.S. was estimated at 76% complete as of Sunday versus the 92% on average. In Iowa, it was estimated at 77% complete versus the average of 93%. Illinois was at 80% and Minnesota was 77% complete. While we're still behind, all of these are at least 10 points higher than last week, except Illinois that only gained nine points. Corn exports stay in the bull column again this week with a bit more than 25 million bushels, which is a marketing year high. Yes, we're still behind pace, but another piece of good news earlier this week was that we are now on par with the Black Sea region as far as competitive pricing of exports.
0: Well, on the bear factors, I'm going to keep ethanol production in the bear column this week, but it was a close call. Production increased again for the eighth straight week at 304 million gallons, slightly more than the previous week of 303 million. However, we're still behind last year's pace. From here out, that weekly number will need to average 310 million just to hit the USDA's estimate for the year. Last year's average was around 304 million, but there was a significant dip in those first three months of the year when they averaged 297 million a week. So the reason I say this was a close call on bullish or bearish has more to do with the ethanol supplies that are now pegged at 862 million gallons compared to this week last year at 957 million. This is the lowest stock number in almost three years. So we'll have to keep an eye on that to see if we're moving that around from the bear side to the bull side later on. And again, on bear factors, I think those acres for the 2020 crop year continue to be something to keep an eye on. The number we keep hearing being projected is 94 million acres. Compare that to this year's number of 89.9 million acres planted and I think you can see the reason why people are excited about that potential for 94 million acres or maybe more.
1: Tom, switching over to soybeans, the bull factors I'm seeing this week are exports remain strong at 56.3 million bushels, This is the second largest weekly total for the crop year. We're now 12% ahead of the same time last year. Soybeans are still lagging the five-year average for harvest completion, but they're gaining on it. Nationally, as of Sunday, we are 91% complete versus 95% on average. In Iowa, we're supposedly 95% done versus the 97% average. We see similar stories for Illinois, Indiana, and Minnesota, but North Dakota is still only 84% finished versus the 98% on average. Finally, there are stories circulating in the vegetable oil world. Palm oil hit a new contract high earlier this week, and soybean oil has also increased in value. To put this in context, bean oil trades in cents per pound, and January bean oil futures were at 28.66 cents in early September, and then rallied almost 11% in early November to reach 31.79 cents. They have fallen a little since then, but are still trading above 30 cents. There are a few things impacting all of this. Less pork renderings in Southeast Asia for use in cooking due to the African swine fever, Malaysia is using more for biodiesel, and some soybean losses in India. Also, there's less than ideal weather in Indonesia and Malaysia, which is impacting the production of palm oil. This, in and of itself, won't necessarily translate to higher soybean prices, but it is worth keeping an eye on. It wasn't too many years ago that we had a soybean rally fueled by palm oil issues.
0: I think the number one thing on bear factors continues to be the ongoing saga between the U.S. and China. We heard earlier this week of a request from the Chinese for U.S. negotiators to come to China next week for some meetings. There's some speculation that both sides are working towards a more comprehensive agreement than the one that was supposed to be the phase one deal. Given the info we saw in the big story above, it definitely feels like we are a lot further from any kind of agreement on this anytime soon. And I definitely hear what you're saying about veg oils. I do remember that palm oil lead rally a few years back, but then I looked in depth at a soybean chart. I also go back to that September 9th, which was the low for oil, which was also a low for soybeans. January beans on that day closed at 872, and since then we rallied up to 955 on October 14th, which is about a 9.5% rally. However, since then we've seen beans stumble and drop about 50 cents. They're still above that September 9th low. But now that 9.5% rally looks more like a 3.5% rally, while your 11% rally in soy oil still looks like 7.5% rally. So all in all, I'm with you, Cheyenne. Let's keep an eye on soy oil over the next 30 to 60 days to see what comes of this.
1: Well, Tom, it's been a while since we've done a Tweet of the Week or This Week in History or Special Holiday, so I thought we'd get back to that a little bit and have a This Week in History. So on Friday, November 22, 1963, President John F. Kennedy was shot and killed in Dallas. Later that day, Lyndon Johnson was sworn in as president, and the following Monday was declared a day of mourning coinciding with the slain president's funeral.
0: So as far as what to watch for in upcoming events, as you all know, Thanksgiving's next week which is Thursday the 28th. The Board of Trade will have normal hours on Wednesday. They'll be closed on Thursday and then reopen from 8.30 until 12.05 on Friday. As we mentioned last week, we're working towards a special bull bear banter episode for next week, so stay tuned for that. And coming up in December is the ISU Women in Ag Leadership Conference. This will be held on Tuesday, December 3rd in Ames, and if you'd like to have a chance at a free registration, we have a link on our website you can follow along, complete a short essay, and somebody will be uh, chosen from that to get that free registration. So if you'd like to take a look at that, please look at our website. The annual meeting of Landis Cooperative is Wednesday, December 18th, with registration beginning at 9 a.m. RSVPs are encouraged. Just use the card that was sent to your address. One other thing in the what to watch for, we will have a special uh, part of the episode at the end of this podcast with one of our agronomy folks, so stick around for that.
1: So Tom, why does it all matter? I'm going to go back to the same topic we discussed last week. With so much uncertainty on such a wide range of topics that can and will impact cash, corn, and soybean prices, figuring out what price you want to sell is even more important than ever. It feels like almost every farmer we talk to is bullish prices from here. The question really should be how bullish. At some point, you have to sell your grain. So why not put an offer in and try to get that done? We also keep talking about corn acres for 2020. If the analysts are correct and we plant another 4 million or more corn acres next year, will December 2020 corn futures stay above or below $4 with average weather? We've talked about the September 9th low a couple of times already with regards to soybeans and soy oil, but that was also the low for December 2019 and December 2020 corn until this week. December 19 futures are still about 15 cents above that low, but December 2020 is a couple cents below its September 9th low. If we can get back above $4 futures, we'd encourage you to have an offer in place for the next harvest.
0: In conclusion, we appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter as part of the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast. The other part of that podcast is those special events that we have occasionally, so stick around at the end of this if you'd like to listen to some update on our agronomy side. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at Our tagline, bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market, continues to make sense. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with a special episode next week. Okay, so as promised, I'm here with Eric Lerdahl. Eric is our Director of Procurement. Prior to that role, he was our Northwest Sales Manager and has also spent time as a field sales agronomist, so welcome, Eric. Glad to be here, Tom. I wanted to just kind of catch up with you, and let's just talk a little bit about, you know, how has harvest gone from, you know, the perspective of the agronomist. You know, on the grain side, I kind of look at a lot of things maybe in a different light, but... How have you guys seen the harvest go so far, you know, with regard to yields? Let's start with that.
2: Yeah, so yields, um, you know, this kind of goes all the way back to the start of the season. You know, we had some really adverse conditions that we planted this crop into. Uh, getting it planted timely uh, was extremely challenging into good ground conditions. And considering what we put the crop through, I would say yields are surprisingly good across most of the area. Now there's also some issues in certain areas where we've had some definite negative impacts. But overall, I would say yields were, yields have been pretty strong and really surprisingly compared to what people thought they would be, especially during the summertime.
0: So I know I've heard that primarily on corn. And you know, I kind of joke around, some of these farmers I'm talking to don't even want to tell me how good their corn yields are. But are you seeing kind of a similar story on soybeans or a little less of that?
2: A little bit less of a story on soybeans, but there are certain pockets where I would say yields have been pretty close to all-time high levels. But a lot of that depends on, you know, obviously planting date um, and drainage was also a big thing that came into it the factor as well this year. Sure absolutely with all that moisture we've had
0: we've kind of in areas or maybe you know field by field we've finished up and that's when I kind of think of agronomy season really kicking in a lot of field work so how has
2: field work gone for Landis Cooperative so far this fall with all the weather we've experienced as well. So we're making good progress as land is cooperative, and fieldwork is progressing, although there's been challenges, obviously, with Mother Nature, just like there was in the springtime. Organizationally, we're spreading a lot of dry fertilizer, and we're also trying to get our workload of anhydrous ammonia on the ground. We are well above last year's level on anhydrous ammonia applications, and part of that is due to the fact we got to start extremely early. We started about the middle of October this year, which is pretty abnormal, but ground temperatures had fallen to 55 degrees, and were trending downwards, and we went ahead and started anhydrous applications. Looking at the weather, obviously we've had a little bit of a challenge today with the weather and the moisture. But looking towards the beginning of next week, looks like things should really pick up again uh, during the week of Thanksgiving. We don't see anything near term that's going to freeze us out for anhydrous application. So as long as uh, the ground temps continue to be above freezing and we can get our application equipment through the fields, we'll continue to run. On dry fertilizer, currently we're over 50% of our dry fertilizer forecast for fall. And we're actively applying every day that the wind lets us. So with
0: regard to Thanksgiving, I know on the grain side we've been trying to make sure people know that Thursdays the grain team is closed up, the elevators are closed. I assume that's the same thing on the agronomy side, but you never know with the way this weather has been. Um, What do you think there?
2: Right now it's been a long fall for everyone. Um, The plans are to try to give everybody the day off on Thanksgiving. It's a challenge trying to make those decisions at times, but we've definitely put a lot of hard work in this fall and past seasons we've had to keep our team you know moving over the thanksgiving holidays i think this year you know if if mother nature cooperates we'll probably try to let them have the day off and go eat turkey with their family probably
0: depends a lot on the weather forecast come tuesday wednesday of next week tuesday
2: wednesday is really variable and does look like we could get some snow and obviously that makes the makes the decision a lot easier
0: you know we talked before we started i've been kind of more concerned about the propane side again from a grain perspective how's that kind of impacted any anhydrous movements or is there anything there that's correlated
2: um, so there is some talk in the industry about obviously the tank capacity and what that does is we see, you know, these propane bottles and also anhydrous bottles going up and down the road, you know, where we're going to have a limiting factor. So far... I would say everybody's been pretty fortunate. You know, we've gotten over the hump on the propane piece. Mother Nature's warmed up a little bit here, and it really hasn't affected anhydrous movements for the most part. Anhydrous across the industry started kind of slow um, because a lot of farmers are still harvesting. You know, a lot of the work being done was uh, custom work, so you don't have the big surges in anhydrous applications at those points in time, so it just kind of allows things to keep moving. And then to train or trade these trailers back and forth between anhydrous and LP, you also have have to completely deplumb the trailer and Mm -hmm. then plumb it back again and that's anywhere from a day or two so as you look at trucking firms you know those trailers sitting don't make them money so obviously they would like to keep them on the road as much as they possibly can there are some firms that will turn those trucks between the two but for the most part if it's anhydrous it'll stay anhydrous and if it's propane it'll stay propane
0: Well, anything else, um, you know, kind of what's next in the world of agronomy as we uh, wrap up fall tillage? And, you know, where where do you guys as a sales force kind of start headed towards? What
2: kind of things are you thinking about going into first part of December? There's still a lot of seed decisions to be made yet. You know, as we look at the yields that uh, we pulled off this year and the adverse conditions that we put our crops through, I mean, it's very evident that we're not planting our grandfather's hybrids and variety. So seed selection is very important. Um, we need to be finalizing those seed selections and uh, getting those placed for next year because the good varieties they always run out and that's time and time again and if we want to make those decisions in March there's a good chance those good varieties are no longer going to be available you know then we also have to look at chemistry and putting a plan together for chemistry applications to go on those hybrids and varieties for next year this year in particular there's a lot of different herbicide selections available on soybeans so we got to make sure that we're also matching those hybrids and varieties up with the proper chemistries so that we're giving ourselves every opportunity that we can to maximize yield potential.
0: So Eric, one of the things I like to ask agronomists when I get the chance to talk to them, we've been talking a lot about the number of corn acres that might get planted next year. There's a lot of stories going around about the potential for ninety four million acres. What do you think that number tends to be a year, you know, in the spring from of twenty twenty?
2: So as I look at it, I kind of look at the yields and what guys were able to do this year. And corn yields hung in there extremely well. Bean yields did okay, but we had some areas that were really impacted by the wet weather and the lake planting conditions. Um, Early indications are guys are going to plant more corn. And what that number exactly is, you know, is 100 million acres? I highly doubt it. Is it north of 94? It could potentially be north of 94, which then that starts to impact, obviously, fertilizer from availability as well as seed from availability. Definitely, you know, it looks more profitable to plant corn right now. But, you know, if we plant that big crop, what happens? Obviously, we can raise a big crop, even planting it late. So guys really need to be taking that into consideration with their marketing decisions. That they make going into next year.
0: You know, that brings up a good point. If you are one of those folks that are thinking about making any kind of a switch from beans to corn next year, take a look at that December 2020 number. It's dropped a little from when we started talking about this a few weeks ago. But, you know, you can still sell that number 25, 30 cents higher than where it's at now for December of 19. So it's probably worth locking in at least the futures part of that. And like we said on the podcast earlier, if you can get something above $4 on that December board of next year, it's probably worth looking to lock some of that in.
2: Anything else that uh, you'd like to talk about while we're here? Just like to uh, thank everyone for their business. Um, I know it's been an extremely challenging year for farmers. It's been a challenge all the way from getting the crop in the ground and now for uh, getting the crop back out. you know, with the issues um, not only of moisture, but then the LP, and propane, and weather issues. So, just like to thank everybody for their business and hope you have a enjoyable Thanksgiving. All right, I appreciate it, Eric. Thanks for joining us.